every other position on my roster is a running back and a wide receiver. Those are your point scores in fantasy. Those are your best opportunities to gain an advantage over your opponents. You're listening to the Teak Nation podcast with Donnie Aldrich, where we hope to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from members of our fraternity. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Welcome into the Teak Nation podcast. This is Donnie Aldrich. Glad you've joined us for part two with the director of education, Alex Swenson, who will be talking about fantasy football, how you draft your team, ways, strategies that you should utilize when it comes to certain positions. He's going to talk about sleepers. He really is just going to delve into his passion, which is fantasy football, a man who has had unprecedented success, at least at least in, in some of the circles that we have run in, in terms of his success in winning fantasy football leagues. Alex, can you tell the, the folks who are listening some of how many fantasy teams you have per year, how much time and energy you put into these drafts, how much time and energy you're looking on the waiver wire, how, could, how much does this consume your life, and why folks should take, take the knowledge you're about to drop over the next few minutes and put it into use in their own life? I try, uh, I try and stay pretty humble. Donnie, but you're making it uh, you're making it difficult on me. So uh, I guess I have no choice but to uh, but to just talk about my own success in fantasy football for the next uh, two two and a half hours. Right. So uh, yeah, I I, uh, I usually I'm usually in somewhere between three and five leagues and uh, have have traditionally fared very well. Uh, my goal is to win at least one league a year, and I've been able to fulfill that goal for the last five years or so find my way into the playoffs and the rest of them traditionally um last year i think i missed the playoffs in one league so maybe you shouldn't listen to what i'm saying but usually end up in the playoffs in 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 most if not all of my leagues Uh, i think two years ago was a a career year for me if you want to call it that four leagues three championships one second place uh the second place was for the record to uh to donnie aldrich which glad we have that on the record if you remember, um, because I do, Nick Foles played the Raiders at home on a Monday night after Carson Wentz tore his ACL. Nick Foles had thrown for four touchdowns the previous week, and I think I just needed 11 points out of Nick Foles and Alshon Jeffrey together, and uh, they couldn't do it against a Raiders defense that had been one of the worst pass defenses all season long. So, um, I'm over it, though. We'll, yeah, it doesn't we'll, seem we'll like on. anything you've harbored. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, I, I do uh, I do experience success in, in fantasy football, and I do spend a fair amount of time on it, of course, never during work hours. Um, always, always focus on it when I'm off the clock, which is the most important thing to uh, to note for this interview. That's but, good to hear. Um, yeah, I, I really, you know, I take in as much of the information as I can. I read a lot of the stuff on ESPN, um, a couple different fantasy-specific websites that I look at and, and get my rankings. And, um, and what I really try and do and what I'll try and do today is just compile what I believe to be the best information. There's 10,000 different strategies about how you should draft and how you should build a team and when you should draft a quarterback or should you take a running back in the first round or a wide receiver. And I'm just going to share what's worked for me and what I think to be the the best strategy and the strategies that I will be utilizing in my drafts this year. And hopefully you can apply it to your very own fantasy football teams and uh, find some success. So let's get into those strategies and then we'll get into a little bit of positions 
What are what are strategies folks should be thinking about when it comes to building building their team? Yeah, the the number one thing to remember, and I've actually stolen this directly from Matthew Barry, who is ESPN's lead fantasy analyst, for good reason. He knows what he's talking about. The number one thing that I try and remember and I try and tell people whenever they ask is the the goal of fantasy football is to minimize your risk on a yearly basis, on a weekly basis, on a game-by-game basis. Minimize your risk and think about the most likely outcome. It's the uh, the Occam's razor approach, if you will, where you're looking at There's what another... The, that- Folks are gonna have to Google that. As big well. Occam. I'm a big yeah, Occam. You really, I try to work that in as much as I can. Right. That seems like a, one of these Scrabble terms you'd like to use just to make yourself sound really intelligent. But keep going. Well, got to, got to take my wins where I can get them. Think about the most likely outcome with a player, with a team, with a situation, and roll with that outcome. Don't overthink your team building. Don't overthink your draft. Minimize your risk. And that is, in most cases, going to lead to success because I'll tell you, the people that you're playing against who aren't listening to this podcast right now, shame on them, they are going to get cute and they're going to try and outsmart you and they're going to try and pick up a kicker in the sixth round because they read some article somewhere that said that's what you're supposed to do. Let them go crazy. Let them reach for running backs. Let them uh, draft a quarterback before everyone else does. Stick to your strategy. Minimize your risk. A couple other things to think about. When you're, when you're drafting a team, don't worry about bye weeks. At the end of the day, if you have a chance to, let's say, grab Alvin Kamara in the first round and Joe Mixon in the second round, and they happen to have the same bye week, it doesn't matter. I would rather have elite production from two running backs for 13 of the 14 weeks of the regular season than bypass a guy like Joe Mixon for a guy like Mike Evans at wide receiver because I didn't want to have my two best running backs with the same bye week. You'll figure it out on the bye weeks. Um, Maybe if you have five running backs on your roster and you're stuck between two guys for your sixth and four of your five running backs have the same bye week, then yeah, maybe that six running back, you you pick him up and, and, and you have a different bye week. But at the end of the day, teams change so much throughout the course of the year. I'm not concerned about bye weeks. Yeah, you got to think about there's 17 weeks in a season. If you're, only worried about one of the 17 weeks to not draft a quality player. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Right, and I know some some people will actually go out of their way to take players that have the same bye week and just say, I'm going to take my lumps in week eight, and I'm probably going to take a loss, but I'm going to have a full-strength team for the rest of the season while all of my opponents are trying to balance. You know, One week I play a guy with Saquon Barkley on a bye, and the next week I'm playing a guy with – uh, Julio Jones on a buy, and I know that all my buys are coming at the same time. I can prepare accordingly. I don't subscribe to that theory, but it is uh, it is out there. Okay, so don't worry about bye weeks. Don't worry about bye weeks. Uh, stock up at running back and wide receiver. My personal draft strategy is one quarterback, one tight end, one kicker, one defense. Every other position on my roster is a running back and a wide receiver. Those are your point scores in fantasy. Those are your best opportunities to gain an advantage over your opponents. And the more of them that you have on your roster, the better opportunity you have that one of them is going to give you elite production. So you can only start one quarterback a week. You can only start one tight end a week, one kicker, one defense in most leagues. Holding a backup at those positions is a wasted roster spot. And I'll talk about it a little more when I talk about the quarterback position. There are certain circumstances where it might make sense to have a backup quarterback that I'm fine with, but those other three position positions for sure just 
draft one, carry one, and as many darts as you can throw at the running back and wide receiver board. Say you uh, say you have a crack at a guy like Josh Adams for the Eagles in the, the 12th round, and you're stuck between him or drafting a backup tight end for some reason. Draft Josh Adams, because what's going to happen if Miles Sanders or Jordan Howard get hurt with Philly? Then you're looking at a position where Josh Adams is a top 12 to top 15 running back automatically instead of, oh, on the off chance that, you know, the that Kyle Rudolph gets hurt and you stash the Vikings backup tight end. It's not going to yield right. the same results. So I, I th- load I do, up at those two positions. I do think running back is one of the hardest positions to draft when it comes to fantasy football because you're tr- you're thinking about – how many carries they're going to get, and then you always have a thought in the back of your head about injuries, and it seems more and more the NFL has gone to running back by committee. So how are those those carries going to get broken out? Yeah, yeah, and I'll uh, we'll get into that. We get into the position by position thing. There's a few things you can look at. I think when it comes to drafting running backs that hopefully limit some of those concerns. But I agree with you, and that's why I say uh, I say load up at running back and wide receiver, but. I'm a guy where if I have, you know, two running back spots, two wide receiver, a flex and five bench spots, I might carry four wide receivers in in the rest of my bench spots and my flex and my two starters are all running backs because it is such a hard position to get right that once again, the more opportunities you give yourself to to pick a good running back or pick an elite option, the better off you're going to be. A couple other things on uh, on your draft strategy Wait on a quarterback. Don't go reaching for a quarterback in the third round, the fourth round. Don't be the guy that goes and snags Patrick Mahomes in the second round because you think it's going to give you some elite advantage. Think about it this way. The difference between the first and second quarterback, let's say Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers for the sake of argument, and the 14th and 15th quarterback who could be Tom Brady and Jameis Winston, that difference is significantly smaller than the difference between the top couple running backs and the 14th or 15th running back. You might be looking at a a, a Saquon Barkley and an Alvin Kamara versus a Marlon Mack, who I actually really like this year, and a Josh Jacobs or a Devontae Freeman. That gap is significantly wider, and there's I talk about minimizing risk. You know, outside of the potential of injury, what you're getting with Kamara and Saquon Barkley. You know you're getting elite production with those guys. You don't know that necessarily with Devontae Freeman and Marlon Mack, whereas it's pretty well assumed that Jameis Winston's going to be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all year long in an offense that's going to throw the ball a ton. So don't go reaching for a quarterback. Wait until the seventh round, the eighth round. I'll give you some names later, some guys you can be looking at. But that's my strategy with quarterbacks. And it feeds right into this next piece. Um, that is my last big point, which is don't get sucked into draft runs. If quarterbacks start flying off the board, wait. If kickers or if defenses start flying off the board in the ninth round, wait. You will be fine waiting. There's only 10 or 12 teams potentially 14 in your league. So there's only that many players that are going to go. And I'm telling you, you're better off snagging the 10th or 11th defense and loading up at running back or wide receiver in the ninth round, the 10th round and waiting on a defense than you are trying to get on the run because you're afraid you're going to miss out on a, a top tier quote unquote option. So don't get sucked into those runs. Stick to your strategy. Know your strategy going into the draft and, and just stay true to yourself, and uh, and I think you're going to put together a pretty quality team. So great great tips there for draft strategy. 
Let's one piece that I think everybody is looking for. It's very easy to identify who are the stud players when it comes to fantasy football. Who are the guys who we feel are, are as long as they remain healthy, are going to perform at a high level? Who are some of the folks who we might not have on the tip of our tongue? The value picks, the folks that you're going to look like a genius in your league that you drafted this guy before a lot of folks in your league had even heard of him. Yeah, so uh, I have some names, but before that, I I want to talk about theory when it comes to to value players, and and the theory behind those is when you're when you get out of the first five or six rounds, and all those those options, the household names are snatched up. What are you thinking about? And and what I'm thinking about is is mainly volume, specifically at the running back and wide receiver positions. Who are starting running backs on bad teams that have probably been overlooked? Who are wide receivers who are the first option in an offense that might not throw the ball a ton, but they're still the number one option? Or second option wide receivers in offenses that are going to throw the ball a ton. You think about um, a name that's on my list, Dante Moncrief with the Pittsburgh Steelers or James Washington with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger is going to throw a ton of passes. There are probably upwards of 150 targets. I don't know the exact number, but a ton of targets that have opened up in that offense now that Antonio Brown is gone. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be the number one guy in Pittsburgh, but the number two guy is going to eat too. Juju was the number two guy in Pittsburgh last year and had one of the best fantasy seasons of any wide receiver. So thinking about second options in very, very high-powered offenses, I think about the the second option in the Packers offense as well, um, which right now looks like it's either going to be Geronimo Allison or Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Guys that are going to get 100 balls thrown their way and maybe catch 60 or 70. Calvin Ridley, another name that, that falls under those same same lines. So targets is the big thing with wide receiver. I don't care as much about touchdowns because those are not as predictable and those can be a bit wishy-washy. I want guys that are getting passes thrown their way. Um, and then with, with quarterbacks, who are the dual threat quarterbacks, the guys that can get you yards on the ground and through the air, guys like Kyler Murray, um, Lamar Jackson, even Josh Allen, who's going to run the ball a lot this year. In Buffalo, that's not going to be a, a real good offense, but Josh Allen's going to put up good fantasy numbers, and, and we saw him put up pretty good fantasy numbers last year. So some other names on my list right now, Tevin Coleman, uh, running back for the, the 49ers. He's going to be the starter in San Francisco, and if Kyle Shanahan has his way with that offense, they're going to score quite a few points. So um, Tevin Coleman, I think, is flying a little under the radar right now. Don't be afraid to draft him maybe a little earlier than he's projected. Miles Sanders, running back, rookie with the uh, with the Eagles. I know I mentioned him a little earlier, and if you listen to our uh, our preview, our NFL preview in part one of the podcast, a guy who I think is going to be offensive rookie of the year for a lot of the same reasons. He's going to be the starting running back on a high powered offense. They're going to run a lot of plays. They're going to score a lot of points. D.D. Westbrook for the Jacksonville Jaguars fits into that first category of uh, value picks at wide receiver, where he will be the number one option on an offense that's that wants to run the ball, but they're going to have to throw the ball at some point. So Westbrook, I think, is going to get a lot of balls thrown his way. Um, Dante Moncrief, I mentioned. Kyler Murray, I mentioned. A couple guys at tight end that I like. Chris Herndon for the Jets. He had a, a good rapport going with Sam Darnold last year toward the end of the season. He's young. He's still getting better. And then Jack Doyle at tight end. He is coming back at full strength after an injury year last year. And uh, Andrew Luck loves throwing the ball to Jack Doyle. He he looks his way a ton, even if it's just for four or five-yard dump-offs. 
Eric Ebron was the fantasy star of the Colts offense last year at tight end, but a lot of that was with those jump ball touchdowns. With Jack Doyle back, he's going to get a lot of looks, and uh, especially if you're in a PPR league, Jack Doyle is going to have a, a very good season, I think. A lot of great value picks there. Excited to see how those folks pan out. I also I have some notes here, which will be helpful whenever I'm drafting against you with some of these folks. Yeah, um, yeah. well, there's no way around it, is there? I guess I can just give a bunch of bad information, and then everyone else will hate me, but at least you won't have a good team. Right. So take down the entire Teak Nation just for you to win a fantasy football league. I'm glad that that's not the road shows we're traveling you, down. It shows you how dedicated to my craft I truly am. Right. I'm right. willing to make a lot of enemies just to beat one guy. Not a, not a great plan, but appreciate that you are bringing the heat, bringing some of your top value picks. Let's quickly, I know there's a, a number of these positions when it comes to the wide receiver, quarterback position, running back, tight end. You, you've talked through some of your theory, uh, but but what are some additional pieces you can talk about position by position when it comes to drafting some of those folks? And then who are folks that you are hot on and who are some folks that you want to throw a little bit of shade on when it comes to drafting these players? Yeah, uh, start a quarterback. The, Let's do it. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. So I already talked about waiting on a quarterback, and I, I mentioned – the, the premise of that is is the gap between QB1 and QB12 or QB15 is is minute compared to the gap between RB1 and RB15 and RB20. Some of the guys who are currently outside of the top 10 on ESPN's projected quarterback rankings, Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, Jameis Winston, Mitch Trubisky, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Phillip Rivers, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, all of those guys right now, I can, there's four or five more names I could probably rattle off. All of those guys are are outside of ESPN's stock rankings at the quarterback position that I would be perfectly fine drafting and going into my season as a starting quarterback. Specifically, guys like Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston, Matt Stafford, and Tom Brady. If you were to make me pick a few names off of that huge list and narrow it down. My point is, you can wait until the, the 11th or 12th round and grab Phillip Rivers and start the season with him. You can wait until the ninth round and grab Jameis Winston or Tom Brady and start the season with them. And all the while before that, you're loading up at those key positions, running back and wide receiver. So don't oh, just keep saying it. Don't get sucked into that run. It's going to happen. Some guy's going to draft Patrick Mahomes in the second round of your draft. And you can go back to the tape on this. In the third or the fourth round, someone's probably going to take Aaron Rodgers. And once Aaron Rodgers goes, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, right. Ben Roethlisberger, they're all going to start falling off the board. Sit tight, take another running back or wide receiver, get comfortable with those positions first. There will be talent there for you. But in that list, you ran a couple names through there that I'm interested in if you really are comfortable rolling with them, and that's Mitch Trubisky, Kirk Cousins, Lamar Jackson. You're comfortable rolling with them as your starting quarterback. <sighs> It's all about how the board falls. So, right, but if so, the board so, falls that way, are you comfortable if the, with Mitch Trubisky running that offense as your fantasy quarterback? Mitch Trubisky's probably last on that list. Okay. But Kirk Cousins and who's the other one? You Lamar said? Jackson. Lamar Jackson. He's going to yeah, get a lot of yeah, rushing if, yards. If I, if I can go and, and get elite talent at running back and wide receiver 
and make sure that those positions are stocked. You'll balance that out for Lamar Jackson. Then I'm good with Lamar Jackson. I started Lamar Jackson in a couple of championship games last year. Well, when you're getting ten, you're getting a point for every ten yards of rushing. He's going to rack up some points just on that. And he's going to score touchdowns on the ground, which a lot of times that's six points versus four points. Right. Um, I think the real point here is just stay away from Mitchell Trubisky. Probably not a great fantasy quarterback. Yeah, I I made these notes before uh, we realized that uh, he was throwing like nine interceptions a day in practice. So. I should have just should have just left him off. Note to self. Gotcha. Next well, time. things evolve very quickly when it comes to the NFL, as we all know. So yes, maybe by the time people uh, get to download this podcast list, maybe Mitchell Trubisky will be leading the NFL in touchdowns. But I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. One more point with quarterbacks before we move on to the next position: only carry one quarterback on your roster. I said that earlier. I am a one quarterback guy. I'm picking someone that I'm comfortable, again, a a guy like Phillip Rivers or Tom Brady. I'm going to throw them out there every single week. The only exception to that is if you want to take a flyer on a guy late. Um, I actually broke my rule last year and took Patrick Mahomes in like the 10th or 11th round in two drafts after I already had a starter who I'd picked in the 8th or ninth round. And that worked out really well for me. And I think your, your candidates for that this year are guys who I've already mentioned, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, um, maybe a Sam Darnold. If you want to take a flyer on a guy late and you feel good about your roster, I'm fine with a backup qu- or carrying a backup quarterback. But for the most part, that's a wasted roster spot, especially if you end up with Roethlisberger, Luck, Mahomes, Rodgers. And you can find guys on the waiver wire to stream in their bye week. So don't worry about that. Don't carry a backup quarterback all season just to play them one time in a bye week. Guys like Josh Allen, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, they're probably going to be available about all season long on the waiver wire as long as they don't blow up early. So go grab one of those guys and yeah, you start them for a week. Maybe they don't win you that week and and you struggle, but I'd rather do that and, and keep my options open at running back and wide receiver than just waste a roster spot on a backup quarterback. Makes sense. Let's look at the wide receiver position. What are initial thoughts you have there? And who are some of the folks that you feel good about? Yeah, I, I already mentioned that I'm focusing on targets and not touchdowns. And, and with with the elite, elite options, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, the that really doesn't matter because they're going to get both. But when you're getting down more in, the, uh, more in the, the fourth, the fifth, the eighth or the ninth rounds, that's what I'm looking at is is targets, especially in PPR. The guys that are going to get a ton of looks because that just naturally gives them the biggest opportunity to, to perform. Some of the players I like at wide receiver this year, Kenny Galladay. Golden Tate's gone out of that Detroit offense, which opens up a lot of targets. Golden Tate caught a lot of passes, and Galladay had a, a really, really good year last year. I think he could be in for an even better year this year. DJ Moore in Carolina, he's another one uh, who had a pretty good year last year. He was a rookie. He was kind of getting his feet under him. Cam Newton was on and off all season, had that injury. So uh, so DJ Moore probably didn't get the, the love that he should have. But I think DJ Moore is due for a really big season as the number one target in that Panthers offense. The second wide receiver in Green Bay I talked about with the value pick, either Valdez Scantling or Geronimo Allison, maybe both. That guy is is going to get a lot of looks from Aaron Rodgers behind Devontae Adams. <clears throat> and then a couple guys that are at or near the top of the list that I just want to give a little extra bump to. I think Juju in Pittsburgh is going to have a crazy good year. I think in most drafts he's probably going in the second or third round. I might be inclined to take him at the tail end of the first round. 
for sure the beginning of the second round if that's how the board falls and and he's there. And then Odell Beckham Jr., who in our previous uh, previous NFL preview I declared to be the offensive player of the year this season, I could see him having the the best year of any wide receiver on the board and and I would not hesitate at all to take him at the tail end of the first round if if he's there and that's and that's what you want to do. A few guys that I'm not crazy about, Sammy Watkins, uh just don't see him getting the target volume with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill there in that Kansas City offense. AJ Green, he's injured to start the year. The Bengals are in just really NFL purgatory at this point. Andy Dalton is average at best. Antonio Brown, who has frostbitten feet and hates his helmet, although apparently he's coming back to practice today. But still, I'm not a big AB fan. I think at the right spot, I don't mind having him on my team, but I'm not going to reach for him. I'm probably not going to take him in the first or second round. And then Jarvis Landry. For a lot of the same reasons I like Odell, I don't like Jarvis. I think Odell takes a lot of those targets. And I think Baker's going to want to throw the ball down the field. And Jarvis Landry, for his fantasy career, has really relied on nine catches for 75 yards and maybe a touchdown. And I just don't see him getting that same love in the offense right now. Yeah, I think something that's important for any folks who are just getting into fantasy football or maybe they're new to the lingo of fantasy football, you mentioned PPR league. That's points per reception. Yes. And it's, it's vital when it comes to wide receivers or even running backs who might catch the ball out of the backfield because if you have a receiver, let's say – in extreme case, he has six catches for six yards, a lot of short passes that he's tackled you know, behind the line or just gains a yard or two. That's the difference between him having 6.6 points or having 0.6 points right. because they're getting one point just for a catch. And so that is vital to know in your league scoring settings. If it is a PPR league, uh, we've been in leagues where you get half a point, so yep. what's the difference doesn't put as much – uh, emphasis on folks who are getting those targets and getting those receptions and we've both been in leagues where you don't get points at all for the receptions it's all about yards it's all about touchdowns so something you definitely want to analyze when it comes to your scoring settings and seeing how you're getting points when it comes to the wide receiver and the running back position yeah and, and that's key just in general is know the rules of your league know how many bench spots you can have know if you get an injured reserve spot know if you're you know two flex one flex PPR, non-PPR, half PPR, know the rules of the league before you draft so that you can draft effectively and not just not just take who you perceive to be the best player because that might not be the best player for a PPR league or a non-PPR league. So let's transition quickly to running backs. Thoughts on the running back position? Yeah, I already, already said it 100 times. Load up early, load up often. If I can go running back, running back in the first two rounds, I'm going to. That doesn't necessarily mean that I have to, but you want to come out of the first, for sure the first two rounds with one running back on your roster, if not two. Um, it is a lot harder from what I've seen to find a running back on the waiver wire midseason unless it's due to a catastrophic injury, than it is to go find a wide receiver that you can plug and play because of a bye week on a given week. So you're probably far more likely to end the year with the running backs you draft on your roster than you are with the wide receivers, so just keep that in mind. Some of the guys I really like this year, Marlon Mack for the Colts. I've been pretty good about not being a Colts homer up to this point, um, but I really think Marlon Mack is due for a huge year. He was one of the best fantasy running backs in football for the last uh, six or eight weeks of last season. I think he continues that. He's finally healthy. He's fully prepared going into this season. 
I love Marlon Mack. Miles Sanders already talked about my value picks, but I think he's the guy in that Philly offense, and I would not hesitate to draft him as an RB2 or for sure as a flex. on Johnson with the Lions. He's another one who had a, a bit of an up and down rookie year last year and is due to be the number one option in the Lions offense. on Johnson is due for a, a big breakout season. And then a guy who... Again, like I did with Juju and OBJ, he's at the top of a lot of boards, but I'm giving him an extra bump, and that's David Johnson. David Johnson had a pretty good year last year in a terrible offense with a a complete and utter blank show at quarterback. And now he's got Kyler. He's got Cliff Kingsbury. The Cardinals, they might not win a lot of games, but they're going to run a ton of plays. They're going to score a lot of points. David Johnson's a guy who, once you get through Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and maybe Zeke Elliott, depending on if he's going to play this year. I'm taking David Johnson fifth. I may take him fourth, depending on when I draft and how the Zeke situation develops. Definitely taking him ahead of Le'Veon Bell, ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, and some of those other wide receivers. I love David Johnson this year. Uh, he's He's for sure a top five, if not a top four guy for me. Guys are throwing shade at. Throwing shade at uh, at Derrick Henry, which is uh, tough because he's huge. Derrick Henry, uh, just don't think he uh, sustains the production he gave you in the last three weeks of last season. Josh Jacobs in Oakland, I'm just a little worried about him in that offense with uh, with Derrick Carr. He's going to be the number one option, but he's a rookie. Um, and unlike Miles Sanders, I don't think that offense is going to be super productive which is going to hurt him. And then Kenyon Drake with Miami. Um, the coaches there seem to love his backup, Kalen Ballage. And uh, I, I think Kenyon Drake is going to struggle to get touches. So don't uh, don't start looking at him as an RB2. Maybe he's a stash in case he does end up getting a lot of touches, but not on the Kenyon Drake bandwagon. All right, let's go to the tight end position. And I think it's a very unique position because – there aren't a lot of high-scoring tight ends. And so where you select them and decide to start, as you talked about, staying away from the runs, is that an area when it comes to tight ends where you might consider breaking the rule if there starts to become a run on tight ends? Or are you holding steady to no matter what happens, you'll take the 10th tight end if that's how the board falls? I think that... Eight or ten is probably about the the max you want to wait on a tight end this year. So I, I'm a mid round tight end guy. I'll usually I'll usually fill my my two running back spots, my two wide receiver spots, my flex spot. Maybe pull a backup at one or both of those positions, which gets you to round six or seven, and then I start looking at tight end. Yes, it is very very top heavy. Um, and, and even last year, there was the there was the those top three: Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle. Then there was another tier of guys like Eric Ebron, like uh, Evan Ingram, and then really past about ten, it was tough to find a tight end. So I don't want to wait too long and end up with with someone who you just can't trust. Jared Cook's another guy who is in that middle tier, but. Um, but I'm not going to go and take one early on. If you want to take one early, I'm not completely against it. It's not my style, but I do think you create a competitive advantage for your team, knowing that your tight end is going to score like a wide receiver with Kelsey and Ertz. So, so I'm not going to fight you on it. But yeah, I'll wait until probably the six to eight round range. Um, some guys that I'm looking at this year, Vance McDonald for Pittsburgh. Again, a lot of targets open with, uh, with AB off the roster. 
OJ Howard in Tampa, I think he's probably the second or third option on that offense. But once again, Bruce Arians, he wants to get the ball down the field. And then Evan Ingram with the Giants, just because uh, Eli's not very good and Daniel Jones is a rookie. So either way, there's going to be quarterbacks looking for some easy dump offs. Um, and, and Evan Ingram is probably the most reliable target right now on that team. Couple guys that I'm not crazy about a tight end, Eric Ebron. Uh, just for the 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 fact that the Colts have added so much to that offense with Devin Funches, with Paris Campbell, Jack Doyle's back healthy. I don't think Ebron gets the same touchdown numbers that he right. got last year. And if he doesn't get the same touchdown numbers, he's not the same fantasy tight end. Right, he's not a bulk yardage. Right, he tight was end. like a four for sixty and two touchdowns guy, right. which is. A huge fantasy week, but Devin Funches was brought in by the Colts to be a jump ball receiver in the end zone, which is what Eric Ebron was last year. So right. even if you slash his touchdown production by a third, you're not going to get the same level of tight end. I'm Again, I'm not against having him on my team. I'm just not going to take him super early in the mix. Um, and then George Kittle. I think that he'll regress a little bit. He could still very well end up as tight end three this season. But he could also end up as tight end four or five. I just don't know what kind of chemistry he brings in with Jimmy Garoppolo. His monster year last year was with backup quarterbacks, with Nick Mullins, with C.J. Beathard. And I don't know what that offense looks like with with Jimmy G. And it, it just worries me a little bit when it comes to Kittle. Makes sense. Let's wrap it up here. Kickers and defense. What are I know you've talked a little bit about your theory and especially waiting to draft yes. these folks. Anything you want to add there? Are these just accessories that have to be on the team at the end of the draft and anyone will do? I switch kickers and defenses probably six or eight times a year. So I am completely comfortable being the last guy to draft a kicker. You're, the last le guy. you're, you're leasing defenses. You're I, not, you I are am, not buying defenses. I am playing matchups with defenses. Right. Someone, someone's going to take the Bears defense in the sixth or seventh round this year. And the Bears defense is going to play the Packers week one. And maybe they stifle him. Maybe Aaron Rodgers throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Right. He's certainly capable of it. I'd rather have a defense playing the Bengals, even if that defense is the Browns or the Titans, because I know that Andy Dalton's probably going to throw some interceptions and they're probably only going to score 17 points. So I'll play that game. Yes, it, it has come back to bite me at times, but throughout the course of an entire season, you see every year, if you take the top fantasy defense and then stack them up against the defense that played Blake Bortles every week, the numbers there are pretty insignificant in terms of the difference. Um, same thing with the kicker. You just want to make sure you have a kicker on an offense that's going to score some points. That's, obviously going to give them a good opportunity to kick field goals and extra points. But kickers are a dime a dozen. Um, don't draft a kicker until the very last pick of the draft. If you do, I will make fun of you mercilessly. Yes, guys like Will Lutz, Harrison Bucker, they're probably going to score more points than Adam Vinatieri or Kaimi Fairbairn. But at the end of the day, that difference is not significant enough for me to bypass another running back or wide receiver in the ninth right. or 10th round just to take one. Well, I think there's, there's some good information tucked in there. And that is another tip is to stay engaged with your team. If, if you're, if you're wanting to be successful with your theory on defense, you're going to have to be engaged with your team week to week, analyzing matchups, looking at which defenses make sense against poor offenses. And would you agree that's 
keeping that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the first things that I'll I'll do each week when the when the week is over is go look and see who's playing the Dolphins this week and who's playing uh, who else is going to be bad this year the the Bengals this week and right. see if that defense is available and even if that defense is the 24th ranked scoring defense in fantasy up to that point I'm going to take them and I'm going to start them because again I trust that those quarterbacks are going to throw interceptions they're going to put the ball on the ground the offensive line is going to give up sacks you got to um, think Oakland is going to struggle you know, the poor fans yep. in Oakland the yep. last year that they're going to have this team Deshaun Watson is very good but he's going to get sacked a ton and he does put the ball in the hands of the opponent on occasion. So Houston's another team that you might want to look at playing a defense against. Um, Yeah. You you gotta, you gotta be in tune with that. And at times I'll even go stash a defense. If I have just a, a random bench spot, I don't need, especially toward the end of the season. If I know that, uh, that the Browns defense is playing the Bengals in my championship week, week 16 of the fantasy season, I'll go grab them in week 14 or 15 and stash them and hold them for that time. So you're playing a bit of a long game there sometimes, but you just have to be smart about how you do it and don't fall in love with the defense enough to take them anything more than the second to last round. Well, I want to thank you on behalf of, of Teak Nation for your passion and your energy. It's something that I think comes very easily through the airwaves here and people listening, how, how much you love fantasy football and also I really appreciate the insight. Hopefully the listeners out there heard a little bit of depth a lot of names were thrown out there, something to go back and listen again or take notes on before your draft on players that uh, Alex Swenson's very high on, guys that he's not as high on. But uh, I think most importantly, we hope that all of you attend the regional leadership conferences in February, whether you are a collegiate or an alumni member. Alex being the director of education, you can come to those RLCs in February and tell him either thank you for helping me to yep. draft a successful team or... Uh, if if there's some tips that didn't go as well, or maybe maybe you took their favorite team and there threw, will be, you took their favorite team and threw a little smoke at them, and it turned out that they actually had a successful year, a chance for them to come and to share and revel in the success that that their team had. So um, it's been a, a pleasure spending time with you this afternoon. Thank you for for your your thoughts and your passion, your insights, and thank you everybody for joining us on this episode of the Teak Nation podcast. <laughs>